Hello and welcome to the United MEC Leading Edge podcast. Today we are presenting what is expected to be our final episode of the Piloting Your Mind series. I'm the United MEC spokesman, Captain James Belton. Our discussion includes the benefits of continued mental conditioning and the concept of mindset without limits. As with many of our episodes, we are hosted by Piloting Your Mind creators, Captain Lynn Tatum from our SOAR committee and Sean Handlevich from United's Human Factors and Pilot Development Team. Our special guest today is Mr. DJ Eidson, the co-founder and chief operating officer of Limitless Minds. Lynn and Sean, we started this series with introductions to mindfulness and the need for resiliency. Certainly the COVID world gave us a lot to talk about. Through personal pilot testimonies, educational discussions, and tips to focus our minds, we are now smarter and more aware of this great resource. So where will today's episode leave us? Jim, this has been such an incredible journey for all of us and one that I have immensely enjoyed. We really hope that our listeners will take the information that we've shared and that we've introduced these concepts, these tools, these skills, tips, the testimonies. We hope that each individual has found something that really resonates for them, that would lead them to create and define their own personal practice to help them manage and optimize their performance to be them, their best selves. And I think our guest today will give us that insight and the parallel introspective that it takes from our past discussions that we've had and move us into that next level. I'm excited to learn more about our guest and his company, Limitless Minds. If the name isn't intriguing enough, the list of owners and speakers says a lot. Russell Wilson, for, for example, honestly, reading about a quarterback who spends time mental conditioning as well as physical has my interest. DJ, can you introduce yourself and tell us how the idea came about to start this company? And thank you so much for um, the opportunity to be able to uh, be on this podcast. My name is DJ Eitzen, co-founder and COO of Limitless Minds. And I've spent two decades uh, in business uh, doing everything from the intern and, and grabbing the coffee uh, to, to leading um, sales teams, being a sales rep. And, uh, and then leading on a local, regional, and national level. And what I found as a, as a sales leader, uh, as, as a leader of people, is that it's not always your, your skill set, you know, your product knowledge, your territory and routing information that you have that makes uh, and sets people apart. Um, it, it's actually when challenge, change, adversity, and pressure hit is when you start to see people really, you know, stand out. And I became fascinated with this when I was in business, again, either as an individual performer or as a leader and wanted to figure out how I can help people really become the best version of themselves. And, um, and so uh, at my last company, it was a pharmaceutical company, I had the opportunity to meet a gentleman named Harry Wilson. We helped build out a pharma company um, and, and build out the sales teams and um, again, we would share ideas on what good would look like. How can we move the middle? How can we help our teams really reach their maximum potential? And, and a lot of the, the stuff that we had learned 
not only in business, but in sports, because we both had sports backgrounds, we found ourselves, you know, being drawn to how can we have a, a you know, a mindset that optimizes per- performance, that, enha- that enhances the culture of our teams. And we, we started a dialogue around that. Through those conversations, we quickly realized that uh, Harry's younger brother, uh, Russell Wilson, quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks, as you mentioned, Jim, um, also uh, was, was really fascinated with the mind and mindset and, and used his mind and conditioning his mind as a competitive advantage uh, in the NFL. And, um, and he, he worked with a, a, a mental conditioning coach named Trevor Moad, and they spent about eight years at that time together uh, conditioning the mind, his mind on a regular basis. And so um, we, we, we got on a conference call. We started talking about these ideas. How can we bring what we know has worked in sports uh, and in the military and bring it to business? And, and that's how Limitless Minds was formed. We actually got in front of 15 CEOs to, to, to pilot this idea and you know, talked about how we would do it and, 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 and how we would build out a curriculum around mindset so people could go to the mental gym like they go to the physical gym right? And condition their mind. You don't go to the mental gym once a year and say that you're in shape. Um, I'm saying that on Fat Tuesday too, when I just got done eating a donut. <laughs> but you don't go to the mental gym and uh, what, well, you know, once a year and say you're in shape, it's just like you wouldn't go to the physical gym. And so we wanted to build out a curriculum and, and, uh, and, uh, and content that could help some of the best companies in the world, like Johnson & Johnson and Microsoft and Chick-fil-A and the companies that we've worked with over the last two or three years. Um, really reach their maximum potential, help the great get greater. And, uh, and we've been on that journey to do that. I really like that line that you, you uttered a, a little while ago, what good would, would look like. I, uh, I'm going to steal that if you don't mind. I like no, that. No problem. The concepts that you describe or offer with your company compared to the theories of resilience and mindfulness, you know, where do they lie in the mental conditioning experience? Yeah, we center a lot of our training around a concept called neutral thinking. Um, I think a lot of you heard positive thinking. We know what that looks like. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's being positive. It's looking at the, the good in things. We, we know what negative uh, thinking is like. And, you know, it's, it's situations where people just, you know, they kind of go below the line and they're looking at all the things that are bad in a situation. Um, we focus on neutral, which is focused on the truth. And, and I'll give you an example so that you can kind of outline what neutral thinking is. Um, let's, let's go, for instance, back uh, a year ago in, in March when COVID first hit. Um, you, you had some leaders at organizations that were really positive. You know, hey, you know what? Let's just keep doing business like we've been doing it. It's going to pass. Everything's going to be okay. Things are going to be great. We had some people go very negative and say, the sky's falling. We're going to go out of business. You know, we, we, you know we, we're not going to be able to make it. And then, and, and what we teach is, is neutral. How do you look at the facts in the situation? When COVID hit, things changed, right? We had to, do, we had to figure out that, that business was going to be different. We couldn't travel. We have to do Zoom calls like we're doing now. And, and we'll have to, to engage our customers. We have to figure out, you know, in your guys' situation, how do people travel? You know, what does that look like? You know, do we have to put together, you know, COVID centers, these ready centers, right? Like you guys just put together here recently to where, you know, to help to help people uh, be able to travel and, and travel safely. And so that that's what neutral thinking is, is looking at the environment, taking it for what it is, looking at the truth and then developing the behaviors and that and the actions that will drive your performance. And so uh, a lot of times when when people go straight to positive, think about it as a leader 
if I'm, if I would have went to my team and said, Hey, we got this, everything's going to be okay. You know, let's just keep doing business as usual. Um, it would have, first off, it would have come off very disingenuous to my team, right? They would have said this, this DJ guy, he doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, he, he's not, he's not, he's not in line with what's really going on. Second of all, it just wouldn't have worked because you can't continue to do business the way we did it before. Um, if I would have been negative, we know what kind of result that would have given us. And, you know, and you've probably been around or seen negative leaders before. And it just it, it creates an environment where people really can't be the best version of themselves. So, again, we focus on neutral um, and, and looking at what are the what's the situation like? What are the behaviors that we need to drive? And then what are the results or the goals that we're trying to intend to get? Hey, DJ, uh, this is Lynn. Thanks for talking with us. And I certainly do um, admire your passion. And I see this as uh, mental conditioning plays a huge part in our whole body health. We've discussed this a lot in some of our previous episodes. Um, obviously, your neutral thinking hits both resiliency and mindfulness. Mm -hmm. um, when I was kind of Googling you and doing a lot of research on your company, I came across several hits or several discussions and videos on leadership. And of course, pilots are leaders. A lot of us come from the military. Um, I was really interested in one of the basic questions that you asked in one of your videos, which was what does empathy look like from a leader's perspective? Yeah. And I think it might be a good time to, to discuss that based on your neutral discussion. Could you expound on it? Yeah, I mean, empathy is so important uh, especially right now, I, I just I just sat down with a senior leader at a major pharmaceutical company, and he he asked me the question, or actually you know posed the problem, the challenge that that he was having. He said, you know, how do I balance empathy with results and driving results? And and it and it's it really is is important to to really understand like empathy because empathy is about listening. Um, it, it's about you know uh, understanding. It's about looking at things from another person's point of view. That doesn't mean that you don't still need to get results, right? But I think when you start, when you start from the position of empathy um, and you get, a you get a very good understanding of what's going on, it's much easier to build up trust and, and, and then therefore getting your teams to be able to then drive the results that you're trying to get to. And so I, I think neutral and empathy kind of run side by side. In order for me to look at a situation and really fully understand, I have to gather information. And, and, and I'm going to gather better information if I'm empathetic to the, to the people that I'm leading. And so I think empathy is just such a, it's such a fantastic and, and sometimes overlooked uh, when we're moving so fast or things are, the pressure's high. I think sometimes it's like, okay, how do I survive myself? And we stop, we stop thinking or caring or focusing on others. And it's a really big miss for leaders. So I, I, would, I would urge your pilots, and I'm sure some of them are doing this very well, but ratchet up that empathy and you will, you will in turn ratchet up your results. Hey, DJ, um, this is Sean again. I wanted to find out what, how does that work with athletes, empathy? Mm -hmm. It's hard to think of a football player, right? Um, as being this super empathetic being. But how does that work for leadership for athletes on the field? Yeah, so so I think that's probably a common uh, misnomer in terms of you know thinking that and, and uh, you know empathy kind of sounds like a soft term, right? Like you know, 
Um, but I think when we peel it back and we really look at, you know, what, what empathy does and what it means, it's, it's really about communication. So like, you know, I mentioned understanding. Um, it's, it's hard to understand uh, and, and, you know, or communicate effectively if we're not listening. And, and so I think the way, uh, the way it manifests itself in, in, in professional sports is that you will see great leaders, they listen, they communicate effectively, and then that in turn starts to build up the trust. Um, and, you know, and, and, and that's where you see the empathy lie. So, you know, if you look at a leader like Russell on the sideline, um, he talks a lot in, he talks, he uses a lot of neutral language. Uh, he'll go and he'll huddle up with his team. He's not going to talk. You won't hear him talk about results. We're going to win this. We're, you know, we're, you know, you know, uh, you know, we're going to be Super Bowl champions. We're, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't state that that might be a goal of his, but that's not what he's talking about on the sideline. He's saying, okay, there's six minutes left. Uh, um, there's, you know, we, we, we got, we got, you know, three, three downs, um, you know, whatever, whatever the situation is and whatever he's, the behaviors he's trying to drive, that's what he's communicating with his people. And so I think that that empathy, uh, you see it in, in the way that a Russell or any leader on the football field uh, communicates. The question I have, and I don't want to go too far off script, but Lynn and I work for a labor union, so we're labor leaders. And um, is this uh, empathy and leadership a departure from that cutthroat businessman um, model that we've seen so often out of Wall Street? And are we departing from that? Is that a, an effective thing to say? Well, I think that I think that the environment of the people that we're leading is changing. Right. So I, I was I was I'm, I'm not going to say my age. I, I, when I turned 39, that's where I stopped saying uh, in my, my age. So I, I guess I could just say I'm 39. That's what that's what I tell everybody. But 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 essentially, I, I was I was I was brought up and coached and, and, you know, mentored by baby boomers. Right. And baby boomers were big on loyalty. You stay with the company for 30 years. You know, you you put your time in, you, you do the work. You move up, you get stock options, you do all the things that you got to do to, you know, and, and what, what I'm seeing as a trend with Gen Y, Gen X, millennials, is that it, it, it is different. Um, they, they're not as much about, I'm going to stay at one place for 30 years. It's, it's more about like, how am I, am I becoming the best version of myself in this situation? Um, do I have freedom? Do I have autonomy? Uh, you know, and, and once you start to figure out what's important to them and the people that you're leading, that's when your influence will ratchet up and will increase and improve. And so, and so I don't think I, but, but for a baby boomer, if I'm leading a baby boomer, it, it may, it may be very similar to what it was 10 years ago, five years ago, 20 years ago, I may use some of those same techniques. So I think it's just knowing your people, but again, you can't understand and know your people until you actually start to listen and communicate with them effectively. And so what I've noticed, and I see it across the board in the teams that I lead and, and I've led, is that I have to really first understand what's important to the individuals that I'm leading. That's my very first meeting with them in the conversation. And it might not be bottom line stuff. It's not, and it probably won't be. They're not gonna care about EBITDA and they're not gonna care about you know, you know, the, the, the financials of, of United uh, Airlines or Limitless Minds. But what they do care about is their families. They care about the vacation that they go on every year. They care about their sick mom with COVID that, or the immunocompromised mother with COVID that they, they don't get to see as often anymore. And once I start to get to understand that, 
then that's that's how we build trust and then align their goals with the company goals. But it doesn't start until I really start to get to know them um, and what they're passionate about. Okay, so it's fluid. I understand. Uh, I would love to hear you talk more about the similarities between athletes and uh, high performing professionals. We've had um, some fighter pilots. We've had uh, uh, we have an episode with firefighters. And honestly, I'm a Steeler fan, but I do appreciate the, <laughs> the commitments that, that your partner, Russell Wilson, has made. I, you know, I watched him in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago and he had a he had an awesome time to, to practice resiliency uh, after the Patriots game. And uh, he actually is one of my favorite quarterbacks in the NFL. But, yeah, if you could talk about that a little bit, I'd, I'd greatly appreciate it. Well, I'm sitting in Cleveland, Ohio, and I didn't see anywhere. Sean and Lynn did not tell me you were a Steelers fan. So this is going to, this, this part is starting to get tough now. This is the, this is the toughest part. That's the surprise. That's the, that's part of the surprise. This is what's going to get you on edge. That's good. Although the Brown, the Browns did great this year. That's right. That's right. Well, uh, but um, you know, I think the very, very first thing I'll say, and this is, this is one of the things that it's, it's, it's awesome. Like, like I said, one of our, one of our biggest customers, best customers, and I say best customers because when you're going on this journey of, you know, wellness, right. And mental conditioning, it's so much fun to go on a, the journey with some of the best companies in the world. And Johnson and Johnson is, I, I, I admire the work that they do for various reasons. Um, but, you know, one of the things that, that uh, you know, with, with J and J, um, that we've talked about with them from day one is that we tell them sports, sports is a business, right? Like it's a really big business. And so there's really not a, a lot of differences when you really start to drill down uh, in the skills that in, in the, the behaviors that it takes to be great in sports and the behaviors that it takes to be great in business, right? Um, I, I couldn't read until I was in second or third grade. Um, I really struggled in school, um, but but one of the things that I I did I did very well is I adapted to new environments quickly, um, uh, and 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 had a had a mindset where my mom always said you know kind of like it is what it is like you 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 have to be able to get through adversity you have to be able to look at things in a neutral way she didn't say neutral she just said it is what it is right this is the environment that you're in you have to you have to get through it. And, um, and, and, and I realized very quickly that I, in order to be able to read and to do some of the things in sports that I wanted to do that I had to get up earlier than most, I had to work harder than most. And those things that I learned in sports were the same things that have helped me be successful in business. And that's the same thing I see with Russell. I watched him, I watched him uh, on a Tuesday night before a Monday night game. So six days before his Monday night game. And I watched how he prepared for the uh, Minnesota Vikings. I was at his house. We went over just to say hi to him on a Tuesday night and uh, cause we were in town and he's sitting in front of a TV screen with his assistant and he's going through, okay, this, this, the tackle here, uh, he went to uh, Wisconsin. He likes to lead with his left foot. He was, you know, he's also played for this team. He was coached under this person who also went to, you know, who, who, who they do this type of offense or this type of defense. He knew everything about each individual player um, down to the foot they led with. And, and so at the, after, at the end of this, you know, I'm watching him for about a half an hour prepare. And I, I say to him, um, you know, do you do this before every game? 
he said, well, yeah, I do. I do this before every game. He said, but it gets a lot easier over time. You know, we, I've been doing this now for at that point, it would have been about seven years. And he said, but, but really this is, this report's not for me. It's for the, it's for my teammates. It's the, it's for the people that we're leading. And, and so I give this to them on Wednesday and this helps them prepare for their game. And so I remember leaving there and I said, am I preparing for anything like, like he just prepared for this game, this Monday night football game? Am I preparing myself as a father, as I'm leading my team, as I'm leading in my community? Like, what is my level of preparedness? And, and, and that's that. So these skills are transferable. So when Russell's done with football, it's not like he's going to be like, okay, I don't prepare for anything anymore. No, he's going to, he's going to use this to, to advance, you know, his companies to advance whatever his career is after this. So, so I think that these, and I, I know these skills and that's one of the feet, that's the feedback that we get after a presentation, people will say, you know what, I love how I can use this for my work, but I also, this is making me a better parent. This is making me a better, you know, in my relationships. And so that's what I'm really most proud of, that it is a transfer. These are transferable skills. So, DJ, when you talk about this preparation, mm -hmm. our pilots do a debrief. And um, so this is a way to talk about what went well, uh, what we could have done better, and, you know, just assessing themselves mm -hmm. um, more so after a flight or after a takeoff. Um, where they will assess themselves. Mm -hmm. So what about preparing as far, um, debriefing, I guess is where I want to go. Mm -hmm. After a game, it's got to be hard to stay neutral um, all the time. Right. So how does a debrief or after a game look for an athlete such as Russell? Yeah, I mean, you know, again, it's, it's de debriefing, um, and, and it would be the same as athlete or a pilot is like, okay, what, what really happened, right? What were the real specific things that happened? It's not, you have to take out all the emotions. You got to take out the narrative. You got to turn off the ESPN, right? You got to turn off the news. Um, and you have to just look at really what happened, you know? Um, you know, and, and sometimes it's with mechanics. If you threw, throw two interceptions, yeah, that's a fact, right? But, but did I follow through, you know, on my throw? What was my footwork like? So these are the things that they're going to debrief on in, you know, and, and not only that, I think we're also, we're drawn so much a lot of times just as human beings to mistakes and, and weaknesses, but what did we do really well? Like, what were those behaviors or actions that we had that we did well? And so that's what I would, that's what I would stretch your, your, your pilots to, to say is like, when you're debriefing, of course, find, find two or three things that you can improve, but also acknowledge and celebrate, you know, the, the behaviors and the actions of things that went well. I mean, I, I, I fly United, like that's, that's, that's one of the main you know, <laughs> airlines here in Cleveland. And I, you know, and my experience with them is, has been great. Um, it's, it's been one of, uh, you know, I get to places on time. It's amazing how many, how many appointments that I get to with, with no like issues. Um, and, and so I, I think that that, that should be celebrated. Um, there's a lot that goes into that. Uh, you know, I, I, I always, one of the things I, I do every time I get off a plane is I peek my head in and I thank the pilot because it is, it's a blessing to be able to get from one place to another safely. And I think a lot of people take that for granted, but that's the, that's the service that, that you guys provide 
you help businesses like if there was no United, there would be no limitless minds. Like I, I was on a plane four days a week before COVID and, and, and you guys were getting me from Seattle to LA to New York City to help grow this business. And so I think sometimes it's, you know, part of that debrief is like the per- looking at the purpose and why you guys are doing what you're doing too from a big picture and, the, and, the, um, and, and how you give companies and individuals the ability to really go out and reach their purpose. I think that the point you made about Russell Wilson's preparation, uh, we can parallel that with, with the pilots. You, you poke your head in and you see him in the cockpit. We spent hours and hours out at places where Sean works, preparing for the flights that we do, preparing for the emergencies that we may face. So it does it does come across to our listeners and our pilots that uh, that you appreciate that work, and uh, and that's Absolutely. great. Now your company uh, your your company advertises, and I'll, and I'll quote that limitless limitless minds offers an experience proven insight and training in what it takes to achieve big and go far. Unlike other rah-rah positive thinking speakers and firms, we don't emphasize the magic of just thinking positive. Can you talk on that a little bit to maybe talk a little bit more on that neutral thinking? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm a very positive person and leaning person. And, and so, so Russell would, if you were ever around him, he would, he, he's the same way. It's, it's just that um, being positive uh, exclusively um, is, 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 is it's very difficult to get results without neutral. And so I, I look at my, I look at the teams that I've, I've led in the past. Um, and if I don't, if I am not obsessed and, and, um, and really very intentional about figuring out what the landscape of the business looks like, uh, then it's going to be very difficult for me to come up with solutions, ideas, coaching, um, you know, just based on, you know, hey, we're going to win. We're going to win President's Club. We're going to be the best company. Like none of that can happen if I don't really know what the situation is so that I can really give good coaching and direction. And so the, I, I would say the same thing holds true with pilots. It's like if you don't know exactly kind of where you're going, um, you know, all the different coordinates that are involved, everybody that's going to be involved in getting you from point A to point B, and all the communication that you have to have there, all the facts that are centered around that. Um, it's, it's great to just say, hey, yeah, we're gonna have a great flight, but, but there's so much in between that that makes a, a successful flight, that makes a successful experience on that flight. And so, and it, and it takes a team to do that. So neutral, again, is just, it's truly rooted in facts. You take out all the emotion, you take out all the narratives, and you get down to the facts. And then what you find is you make much better decisions when, when you operate like that. Um, I think that it could be very easy in an environment. Like one of the reasons why I always, I do always use gratitude on flights is because I watch others around me and the way they treat um, flight attendants, uh, uh, pilots, um, even the service people at the Starbucks in, in the airport. People, there's certain people that just turn into, um, they just turn very negative, you know, and there's, there's this is expectation as somebody who's paid for a flight that everything needs to be perfect. And it's, it's you know, it's, you know, it's your fault that I'm going to be late or whatever it is. And so, you know, pilots have to stay neutral. Airline attendants have to stay neutral because if you get caught up in that emotion, it will impact your performance. 
it will impact your performance. And so, and so starting, starting with neutral is extremely important um, for anybody that is doing a critical job. Now, I will say this, um, I, 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 in full transparency, um, I, I'm an NBA basketball fan. I don't know a ton about the NFL. I mean, I learned a lot more now since I started business with Russell Wilson, but, but seven years ago, I didn't know who Russell Wilson was until I met Harry Wilson and we became best friends. I didn't know who Russ was. What I will say is though, is that what I admire about Russell is not what he does on the football field. It's the way he prepares. It's the way he treats people. It's the Walter Payton man of the year award that he just received and what he does outside of football. It's all the things that, again, are, are skills that he's going to take on and do much more after football than what he's even done in football. And so that's what I would tell your pilots. They, 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 a lot of people, um, I, I care more about what the pilot does than I do what NFL quarterbacks do <laughs> or NFL players, to be honest, because, because they, they actually are, they're, they're doing a service that is, is beyond, it's not entertainment. It's, it's actually life or death. And it, it brings tremendous value to this world. When I was a young uh, fighter pilot and on my first, one of my first deployments over to Iraq, one of my mentors talked about me being the calm voice of reason over the battlefield. He said, look, you're talking to 20 year old uh, joint terminal air controllers on the ground and they're taking fire and they're asking you to lay weapons down. You need to be that calm in the storm. And, uh, and I, I always use that uh, after five deployments uh, going forward. So that's, I guess, where that, that analogy comes into play. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I think it's, I think so. So getting to neutral is, 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 is very important. And that's like getting to, you know, the calm before the storm. Um, there's a lot of things. One of the things that Russell does is like he, so for instance, in the, um, in the Super Bowl, one of the Super Bowls he played in, they played in MetLife Stadium. And he's telling me a story one time. He said that like when he got into the stadium, he'll walk the, he'll walk the field, right? kind of visualize, you know, kind of what, what, what's going to happen. Um, but he'll find a spot in, uh, you know, in the stadium. And in that stadium, it was MetLife Stadium. So he looked at the word life. And so anytime he needed to get calm during the game, he would go to that word life, you know, life meaning so much bigger than just this game, you know, bigger, you know, it's, a, it's about that, that purpose. How are you going to live your life? What are you going to do, really do? And so that got him centered when the stakes and the emotions of the game were really high. And so, you know, what is that word for you? What is that imagery for you as, as a pilot um, that gets you when, when somebody does say something, you know, maybe the person doesn't lean in and say, thanks for the flight. Maybe the person leans in and says, hey, you know, next time get us there quicker. Thanks a lot, you know, or whatever it is, right? How do you go, how do you go from that to back to really what you need to focus on? Your people, your, your processes, you know, getting the net, getting the next group uh, of, of, um, of, uh, uh, of people safely to their, to their next destination. And so that, that's, uh, that is one thing that I, I think is really important getting to neutral when the stakes are high or when the emotions are high. And, and, and for, for Russ and, and I, I utilize it too, it's, it's finding a word or some imagery that gets you back to, to neutral. Well, that's some great mindfulness. Um, I would say. <laughs> um, I'm also very driven, DJ, on the cliche you use a lot, your company uses, mindset without limits. I like that term. And um, 
I think that it can mean a lot to, to everybody in different ways. Um, very similar to the sky's the limit, climb the highest mountain, be the best you can be. Um, but when we really think about resiliency and mindfulness, could you tell us maybe a little bit how it's different and how you intended it to be more of a mindful statement? Yeah, I mean, I think a mindset without limits and, and, and limitless minds is it all starts with belief. You, you have to believe first. Like you can't get, you can't even get out of the blocks. If I'm using a track analogy, my, my sister was a, a track, All-American in track. You can't even get out of the blocks and, and get started without belief. And so I think that's what, I think somewhere along the line, you know, I have five kids. Um, ages three to 13. And it's interesting to listen to them talk because they believe, they believe that they could do anything really, you know, really. And then, and then there's somewhere at, at some point, and I don't know if it's maybe, maybe my 13 year old starting to get there, but you know, you start to get to 13, 15, 18, whatever it is. And then, then you start to become way too logical and you stop, you stop dreaming, you stop believing. And, and what we wanted to do with Limitless Minds is say, like, let's take off those boundaries. Let's look at, let's look at this world. Let's look at, you know, in, in, the, in the, the, um, the corporate and uh, in, in the business people that we work with, let's look at their situation. And how do you really drive your purpose and, and do things that you never thought you could do before? And so that the belief that you can even do that, that that's where it starts. And then utilizing once you believe and, and have that limitless mind, then, then how, then what, then how do you look at the, um, the, you know, the, the situation for what it is and then drive the behaviors that you need to drive to get your intended result. So that's really the, and, and the, and the way we do it is, you know, we, we build out a curriculum that, that focuses in these areas, not only just like understanding the content, but then how do you apply it? And we have mental conditioning coaches and things like that, that help walk and give access to this, this type of training that Russell has, we just give access to individuals now. So you don't have to make $95 million or whatever Russell makes a year to have a mental conditioning coach. We, we want to be able to give and democratize uh, mental conditioning so that everybody can have access to it. Hey, DJ, you talk about this higher self, right? And being our best version of ourself. Um, we talked about empathy and all of these things revolve around that self-awareness, that mm -hmm. higher self-awareness. Um, in order to be neutral, what does my self look like neutral? Um, so really this identification. I know in the book, uh, um, It Takes What It Takes, yep. uh, that you guys talk about that self-awareness. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Because we we talked about that a lot over the last nine months. Yeah, I, you know what? I will. I'll talk to you. It, it is. It's. It's a great point. One of the things around self-awareness, and this is. I'll give you an example of of how I've I've seen Russell use it, and in, in, in some of the top performers in business and sports utilize this concept, is that self-awareness is a lot about not only like the things that we know is like, how do we, how do we look at ourselves, uh, you know, internally and, and, and engage ourselves, but it's also about who we put ourselves around. And that's what, I, that's what I've seen. The people with really high self-awareness, they put themselves around people that aren't afraid to give them feedback, neutral feedback that they need to hear. And they also, if there's people around them that 
are not helping them get to their goals, they're quick to cut those people out. And so I, that's, that's one thing that I would say around self-awareness that is different that, um, that, that I heard before starting to build this company is that if you really want to be self-aware, put some people around you that are willing to give you honest feedback. Um, and, and, and then once you start to get that honest feedback, then you have to look at yourself and say, okay, what type of behaviors do I want to have? What type of behaviors do I have? Um, and, and are these behaviors or actions helping me get to be, be, be the best version of myself? And, and so that, that's where I think it kind of all aligns. You know, the book is called, it takes what it takes. And, and the reality of it is, is that if you want to be great, you don't have a lot of choices, choice is an illusion. So, you know, like you, 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 you know, to, in order for, for anybody to be great at something, it's like, if I want to be a great father, um, I, I can't, I don't have the choice to be out at the dance club, you know, until three o'clock in the morning, you know, waking up from a hangover, right? Like that, that if I do that every night, like I'm not going to be able to get up in the morning and rebound for my daughter who wants to shoot around, right? I'm not going to be a great husband to, to, to my spouse, you know? So like, what does it take to be great in your profession? What does it take to be great as a father, as, as a parent? And, and then, and to do the simple things better, right? Like, you know, show up on time, listen, um, you know, be, be honest, have integrity. Like there's very simple, we talk about doing simple better, that, that's, how, that's how you become great. So all that ties in though, Sean, and it's a great question to self-awareness. Put the, put the right people around you that will hold you accountable, hold yourself accountable, do the right behaviors, and you'll be happy. You'll look up, and it's not this magic, you know, uh, you know, uh, bullet. It, it, you'll look up and you'll say, "Wow, I, 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 you know, I got a little bit better each day, and now I'm hitting my goals." I think that also requires an individual. You talk about surrounding yourself with people who are going to be honest with you. I think that it's important that um, in that self-awareness, you know where your next level is and mm -hmm. that you want to get better. I think there's also a vulnerability of accepting feedback that people really struggle with. And um, we take feedback as a criticism rather than being open to feedback, making us better. Mm -hmm. um, do you have any thoughts around that and how um, somebody could put themselves out there to be open to that feedback without put, pushing back because I'm yeah. wrong about something? No, it's, it's another great question. I, I, think, I think that in order to really accept feedback, if you, if you thought about the person, if I asked you right now, and I'll ask, I'll ask the audience to do this. Think about the person that you are most likely to accept their feedback, right? Like who, who, who is that? Who is that one person? If they gave you feedback, you, you, you know, it's not uncomfortable. It's just, you know, okay. Well, if, if you think about why that person is the name that you pick, it's probably because you trust them, right? They have your best intentions. You, you know, there's, there's, you know, that there's not, they're not going to hold it against you. Uh, whatever, whatever said. And so that if we peel it back and we work it backwards like that, think about the relationships that we want to develop to get to that level. Well, we have to build it on a foundation of trust. We so often just jump straight to results, but you have to, you, as a team, if, if, you know, a crew, you got to look at it as like, is, do we trust each other? And, and if you do trust each other, 
and and you can and and you know that that person is going to have your back regardless then you're going to be much more willing to accept their feedback because you know you know it's not coming from a place where they're going to be like oh yeah that person's going to hold that against me if i tell them or if i so now you're presenting yourself in a way that's not fully true because you don't want something to be held against you that's just that's just because there's a lack of trust so as leaders and as pilots we have to think about how how am i creating an environment where people trust each other and once you do that then 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 the then the feedback starts to become more honest and then you can actually start to get better as a team and as an individual this piloting your mind episode will be our finale or the culmination of efforts to educate our pilot group on good practices to help them navigate difficult or challenging times. And certainly the, the time we're in with the COVID crisis is, is one of those challenging times and we need that resiliency. Can you, and this is not only for DJ, it's for Sean and, and Lynn, um, because we're, we're at the, the end of the series. Can you give a summary of the useful mental conditioning tips uh, mm-hmm. that could suffice as a takeaway for our, our, our audience? Uh, and now you, we leave you with this or an enhanced life skill set. Uh, what would you say to, to kind of wrap that up? Yeah, so I, I, I would say it drills down to the fundamentals of, of thinking. And we've talked about we've talked about all of them. And, I, and I'll just kind of sum it up in three ways. Neutral thinking, which we, we've talked about. It's, it's, it's no judgment, facts, no judgment, right? So you always start with neutral. Um, the illusion of choice, which is, is about behaviors. What behaviors am I trying to exhibit? Am I trying to drive in order to, to, to perform well? And, and the last thing is, is pressure is a privilege. And, and we talk a lot, you know, we talked about pressure a little bit, but, but most importantly, how you deal with pressure is how you prepare. So think of those as like the two Ps. The more I prepare, the less pressure there is. And, and so as a pilot, um, you know, or, or as a leader, um, am, am I doing those three things? Am I being neutral? Am I driving the right behaviors? Am I preparing so that pressure is not so high and I can actually think in, in high pressure situations? And if you're doing those things, those are, those are fundamentals. Again, doing simple better, you're going to like your results. Um, the last thing I'll say, because I always, when I peek in, I always see a lot of young pilots now. And, 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 and I, I love that, right? And, and one of the things I'll say to the young pilots out there is if you're, good, if you're good enough, you're old enough, all right? If you're good enough, you're old enough. Don't let anybody um, you know, tell you anything different. Uh, you are in that seat for a reason. Have confidence, believe in yourself, have the right mindset and, and, and go out there because you are the future. You know, you're going to be the person 20 years from now that I'm peeking in and, and now you're, you're, you're training the, the newbie. Um, and so um, you work for a great company, a great organization that's, that is, is pouring into you and developing you in a certain way. And, uh, and I'm super proud and excited to be a, a small part of it. So uh, thank you, Jim, Sean, Lynn, for the opportunity. Um, and uh, I hope uh, we get a chance to do it again. Yeah, thank you, DJ, appreciate that. Um, Jim, the way I would wrap this up, and, and I think DJ, you said it so well today, is if you go back through all of our episodes, um, going all the way back to July, we talked about this higher level of self-awareness and it's your inner dialogue. It's listening and noticing. Um, and I'm going to just go ahead, DJ, and, and just go with that neutral thinking Yeah, that really does empower you in the moment because it's only in the moment that you have the ability to take any kind of action or 
make any decisions and choices. So it's really noticing that inner dialogue, whether you're in the flight deck or you're here in training in a sim, in a classroom or at home with your spouse, with your kids, um, on your drive, just being present and really just finding that inner voice that does know who your higher self is and that you can recall and go back to all the time. So that's right. Uh, Jim, again, this has been just an incredible journey. Thank you so much. And to all of our listeners, I, I really appreciate spending this time with you as well. I'd like to uh, chip in and certainly thank you, DJ. Um, that was an interesting um, cliche. Uh, if you're good enough, you're old enough. Um, I guess if you were to say it the other way around, that would be talking a little bit more like Tim and I, if you're old enough. <laughs> well, you, Lynn, you can speak for yourself there. I like to think that DJ would be referring to me as one of the young people. Uh, certainly young at heart. <laughs> 39. Do like I did, man. Just stay on 39. You, stay it, there. It works, it works great. <laughs> but as a, as a captain, um, well, as a, as a pilot, you know, the young guys are having to deal with us old people and, and we're of a di different generation. So I really enjoyed your discussion about that. I know um, our training center touches on that. Our line check airmen are always trying to, to know who they're teaching. So that, that's good words that we can all benefit is um, being empathetic, but also using our communication skills to, to know each other. Um, you know, the SOAR committee, we, we work... Um, to help people who are, um, you know, stressed at times. And I think this discussion, knowing your best self and knowing where you are in the moment and knowing when you're not in the right moment, you could reach out and get help too. We didn't really touch on that, but I see that this parallel would, would help you understand your limits. Um, so I really enjoyed our discussion and thank you for leading it, Jim. You did a great job. Well, uh, DJ, I... I I, uh, I appreciate you being here. I can tell that you, uh, you and your company, you're going to be successful. Um, you made it very easy to talk today, and uh, and I appreciate that. Now, uh, I must say, Lynn and Sean, when you came to me with the idea for a Piloting Your Mind podcast series, I was a little skeptical about whether we could put it together one episode, let alone many, that would lucidly discuss such topics as mental resilience, tactical breathing, and uh, mental conditioning, among others. I'd like to congratulate you on creating a very special series that accomplished just that. Um, I've been approached by, by many people and we've had thousands of downloads of this and, uh, and I believe it has helped our listeners. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of that. For our audience, thank you for tuning in to the United MEC Leading Edge podcast, Piloting Your Mind series. To our guest, DJ Eidson, and our writers, Lynn and Sean, we greatly appreciate all of your hard work, especially your observations and insights. On behalf of the United MEC and all of our ALPA volunteers, fly safe and stay healthy. I'm Captain James Belton.